Lord, I'm amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How you love me. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It goes as follows. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we, what we uh, will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see in him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he, Christ, is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and I'm uh, in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. And whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, and is, and nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. I know this is a bigger group of texts than we usually deal with, but, but I wanted to teach from this entire text. And, and John wrote this letter, right? And, and oftentimes he's known as the apostle of love, right? Because he mentions love a whole lot. But there's something that I think we need to see tonight in this text that, that John hints at. And it's the fact that we talked about a few weeks ago that there's this divisions between people. But John refers to these groups of people saying that there is a proof, a proof of ownership that is known if you look at these people and if you look at this text, he describes what this proof of ownership is. Look, you know, I recently, uh, I brought a new vehicle, right? I, I wrecked my, my Tacoma, and so I had to buy a new vehicle. I went down there, and I had to fill out a lot of paperwork. I already knew I wanted the truck. They didn't have to really talk me into it because uh, I saw it online. I was like, man, I got to have that one, right? And um, they didn't have to talk me into it. I knew that I was what I was getting into. I knew the price they wanted. I went down there expecting to spend that. But when I get down there and they give me all this paperwork, right? It's tons of paperwork. And so they're giving me all this paperwork, but there's two major documents that they give me, right? One of them is a bill of sale, and one of them is a title, right? They give me this bill of sale, and they give me this title because these documents, they're evidence of the transaction that just happened, right? These documents prove something. It is evidence of something that has just happened, and, and the thing that just happened was I just bought this truck, Right, So these, these documents prove to the state of Mississippi or anybody who might need to see them that this is, in fact, my truck, that I am the owner of this truck. It's proof of that transaction. And we, look, friends, it makes and shows that the ownership of the truck is in my name. And we see in our text tonight that John refers to the human soul 
Every one of us have. And he says there is certain evidence, certain things that we see that are just like that title that prove ownership of who you are. And I'm not saying that you own yourself. No, no, no. I'm saying it proves ownership that either the enemy or God is owning your soul. That there's a proof of this ownership within us. The things in which we show shows who we belong to. And these two categories, you know, we're saved and unsaved. But it's more than that. It's more than just the saved and unsaved. The, this text that we see tonight proves who owns in these categories. And the reality is, is there's two categories in saved and unsaved. And the person who owns, has ownership in the saved category is, is the Lord. But there is somebody who owns this other category. And that is the enemy, Satan, devil, whatever you want to call him. Our, our scripture here tonight calls him the devil. And it shows that we are owned by something. And what I want us to do tonight, friends, is to talk about that. Talk about this ownership. Talk about these, these evidence that proves ownership. And to talk about the security that we have in the ownership when we are owned by God. So before we can get into uh, these things I want to talk about, I want to describe the, uh, the biblical reality of there is evidence of our faith in Matthew 7. Matthew 7 talks about this, but it's a biblical concept. That, yeah, like, there, there should be some proof, right? That's why the Bible tells us to test and see whether we're in the faith, right? The Bible talks about it oftentimes that we should be able to see within us whom we belong to, right? We should be able to see within us that I belong to this category. And so Matthew 7 talks about it, and it says the following. It says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's stop there for a second. Who's them? Them is us. Them is, is people, and say, you will recognize them by their fruits. Does he mean like I'm going to grow an apple off my arm? No, I'm not growing an apple off my arm. What he's saying is you will recognize them by their fruits, the fruits being the, uh, the, the, the product of our actions. What we do, friends, the product of our heart, really, is what becomes the fruit in which we have. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He's saying, look, does, does grapes come from something that's like a, a thorny bush? Or do, or do figs come from something that produces thistles? No, no, no. Figs come from a fig tree, and grapes come from a grapevine. And so what he's saying here, friends, is, look, uh, uh, an apple tree is not going to produce, you know, something that's not an apple. Instead, it's going to produce what it's meant to produce. So, are grapes come from thorns or figs from thistles? What he means, friends, is like the, the things in which you're producing on the outside is really uh, an explanation of what's on the inside. Right? Uh, we heard at a, uh, a conference we went to, it's, the fruit is just the outside evidence of the root inside. All right? And, and if we have uh, a bad fruit then that is oftentimes evidence of a bad root within us. And we'll go on a little further to see what he's talking about there. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. What he's saying, friends, he's, he's doing these two categories, right? A healthy tree and a diseased tree or a bad tree. Healthy tree being those that are saved by the Lord. 
But a bad tree is those that are being are lost, that do not know Christ, that have not known Christ and professed him as Savior in their life. And so what he's saying, friends, is like, hey, a healthy tree bears good fruit. So if I, on the inside, have been transformed by Christ, then the example or the evidence of that is going to show that I belong to Christ. Okay? It's going to show whose ownership I belong to. But then he goes on further. And he says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, and he says it for a second time, you will recognize them by their fruits. What he's saying, friends, is there are evidence, there is evidence of every one of us that portrays whom we belong to. There's an evidence that we have that portrays who we belong to. And and John refers to that tonight in our text. And I want us to see that, yes, there is evidence that shows that I belong to God. And there's evidence that shows that I belong to the enemy. Now, the reality is, is we need to think about that tonight so you can say, oh, wait, I need to make some changes in my life. If that is, in fact, what the Lord has placed on your heart. Or if you are, in fact, a Christian You'll leave here tonight going, man, that assurance of my faith has really blessed me. Either way, something should be happening in our hearts tonight. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, friends, is the evidence of this owner, but not this one that we would love to talk about first, meaning the Lord. We're going to talk about the evidence of the owner, which is the devil. Okay, verse 8 and verse 10 says this. Verse 8 says, um, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning since the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I love that. By this. So verse first, verses 1 through 9 has talking about all this stuff, and then John says, But by this. By this, it is evident who belongs to God and who belongs to the devil. So, friends, that's that's the goal of this sermon tonight, is that when we leave here, it is evident whom I belong to. It is evident that I know the reality and at least have to deal with it. Okay, so whether you belong to the enemy or you belong to God, there is evidence of the ownership that I belong to. Look. We've been using the illustration of a vehicle, so we'll stay there. I, um, I you know, bought this new truck, and someone who owns a vehicle always leaves evidence in that vehicle that proves whom it belongs to, right? If you go look at my truck, the majority of the time you'll find like a Bible, a book that I'm never probably going to read, um, a phone charger, um, a, depending on the time of the year, maybe a gun or a bow, something like that. Look, and, and you can assign who that, and probably a lot of unopened bills with my name on it. You can assign who that truck belongs to by the evidence that is left in that truck. Now, we're talking about my wife here. It might be like 340 empty water bottles 
uh, and a hairbrush. That's, that's, what's, that's what it's assigned to her. But the difference is, friends, we see that what I have and what she has will be different because we're different people. And, and the evidence that's left are different things, but it shows the ownership of who owns that vehicle. Now, there is a reality, friends, and either we are owned by the devil or we are owned by God. But regardless, we have evidence that shows that ownership. We have evidence that shows that ownership. And John leaves us some details in this text to prove that, to prove that. The first thing that he says is a person who is of the devil, who, who has, um, and if that word kind of creeps you out, I hope it should, but it's, it, we should talk about it because the Bible talks about it. But it, he says the person who is of the devil, who is owned by the devil, the devil and him are buds. The, uh, Jesus would say it like this. He said, you don't hear what I say and believe it because your father's not my father. You know what he says after that? He says, because your father's the devil. Jesus said that. So we see here that the first thing that we can see, the first evidence that is left of a person who is owned by the devil is they are a practitioner of sin. And what a practitioner is, friends, is a person who is actively engaged with a specific thing. Maybe that's a profession, an art, a sport, but they are a practitioner of it if they are actively engaged with that thing. And I want to specify here because we might get confused here. So the best way to do it is, is to compare Scripture with Scripture, right? Because later on, John in this text says, you know, whoever abides in Christ and keeps on sinning does not know Christ. So we might take from that, oh, so if like I have sin in my life, if I, if I participate in a sin in my life, then that means that I'm, I don't belong to Jesus. And hear me out, friends, that, that is not necessarily the truth. Because we have to compare Scripture with Scripture. See, the context of that statement is not secluded by itself to say, hey, if you have a sin in your life, then that means that you do not know God. No, the context of that scripture is not sin just, uh, you know, every now and then secluded. Instead, it is a person who has made a practice of sin. A person who has made a practice. They are a practitioner of sin. They have habitual, continuous sin in their life without any remorse or desire to change. As a matter of fact, oftentimes, not only are they a practitioner of it, but they try to get other people to join with them to be practitioners of it. So one of the main things we see in the text is that a person who is of the devil is a practitioner of sin. Second thing we see is that they hate other people. They hate other people. The text tells us Whoever does not practice righteousness isn't of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So we see, friends, that a hatred for other people is an evidence, a sign that we do not belong to God, but instead we belong to the enemy. And what we're talking about, friends, is that hatred for other people is not an aggravation. We mean a, a, a deep-rooted hatred for other people who don't look like you or act like you or talk like you or not part of your clique. Instead, you, you wish demise upon them. The Bible tells us the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, friends, if, if that's our heart, too, then I can tell you straight up who you belong to. So the third thing that we see is that no self-control. 
no self-control. Oh, the, the Bible says right here he's a practitioner of sin. He has no ability or desire to control the sin in his life. Instead, it's out of control. It's, it's not going to stop. And we'll talk about in a second why he has no ability to stop. But the desire has no self-control. It's what I want, which leads me into this last point that we see of evidence of the owner, which is the devil. It is selfishness. It's all about Cadesville. It's me and my world. And what I can do to put me first before anybody else. This is often a sign that we see with people who are lost. They care more about themselves than they do about anybody else. And we see, friends, that Christ gave us a demonstration. We saw in chapter 2, it said, if you uh, are of him, you walked as he walked, right? Meaning that we follow his steps. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so we see that it, what Christ did. Christ didn't came to, to, to be served, but to serve. Christ could have, could have, you know, requested service from everybody. He it was God. But instead, he went and ate with tax collectors, people that were hated, despised. I want you to think, who's some people in your groups, in your schools, that people despise and, and, and look past and hate on and make fun of that you just laugh and chuckle along with? Friends, those are the people that Jesus would be sitting at the table with at lunch. And yet we say we follow Christ. I say we, right? What about Christ when instead of having other people serve him, we see in the Bible that instead of uh, having people wash his feet, he got down and he washed other people's feet. Friends, look, selfishness and Christianity are opposites. To be a Christian is to empty yourself of yourself. The Bible tells us that, that we are to crucify our flesh and die to ourselves daily. So it evidence that we see that we don't belong to Christ, but instead the devil is a person who is a practitioner of sin. They hate other people. They are selfish and they have zero self-control. The second thing we see is that if you are an evidence that you are uh, of Christ, that you belong to Christ, that the proof of your ownership is not in the devil, but in Christ, we see in verses 1, 7, and 10. Verse 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Verse 7, verse 7 tells us that, um, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. In verse 10, it says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are not. You see, Christ leaves in those that belong to him pieces of himself, friends, that we should see in ourselves Christ. Not that we are him, but that he has imparted to, him, to us pieces of who he is, that we should be recognized as a believer, that we should be recognized of who he is. And just like how I mentioned that you can tell which vehicle belongs to which person by the, by the contents of what's inside. You can tell who belongs to Christ by the contents of their heart and the product of their hands. I mean, what is in my heart? What do I say? How do I act? 
Look, I bet if I asked everybody in here, everybody would say, you know what, I want to, I want to, I want to walk like Christ. I want to be more like Christ. And I hope that would be the truth. The, the literal definition, friends, the literal definition of Christian is like little Christ. Not that you are Christ, but that you are like him. Like the definition of Christian is to be like Jesus. And man, if we are proclaimers of who he is, if we are a Christian, then our heart's desire should to be more and more like him. Like when people look at me, can they tell that I know him? Now I know this is kind of a different sermon than we're used to, but I just want that to sit on you for a second. When people look at me and they see me, and they see how I act and how I talk and how I handle myself and how I deal with other people. Can they tell that I know Jesus? Because they should. You know, I, I, I should hear, oh, this person used to be this way, but now they're, they act this way. That doesn't mean we're perfect friends, but we are following the perfection, which is Jesus. And we should be acting more and more like he is. So what are some of these evidences that we see in our text that shows that we do belong to Christ? He is the owner of this soul. It's not the devil. It's him. It's one. Instead of a practitioner of sin, it's a practitioner of righteousness. The Bible tells us right here, he says, hey, who practice, who, he who practiced righteous is righteous for he, capital H, meaning Jesus, is righteous. Okay, so a practitioner of righteousness, we saw that a practitioner is someone who devotes themselves, someone who puts their their engagement towards one thing. And a person who is a practitioner of righteousness puts their engagement, they, they, they connect with, they follow, they attempt righteousness. I mean, when's the last time we we uh, were extra kind to somebody? When's the last time we spent time with the Lord? And I'm not talking about it on a Wednesday night. I'm talking about when's the last time we just read what he said in his word? When's the last time we listened to some worship music and just said, Lord, you're good? And it not be 6.30 on a Wednesday night. Look, this is not meant to be shame. This is just meant to be bringing some things to life, right? When's the last time we made a practice of righteousness? If we belong to him, friends, we should make a practice of righteousness because the person in whom we follow is the very definition of righteous. The second thing we see is that a person who belongs to Christ is a person who has a heart that loves other people. Verse 11 tells us, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's the following verse after 1 through 10. Verse 11 says, you've heard this from the beginning, and this is the message, love one another. It's so easy, friends, to get caught up in the hatred of the world and the bitterness of the world, to follow what the world has called upon you. It is not easy to do what Christ has done, friends, but it's who he's called us to be. If you are, in fact, saved and transformed and changed by Jesus Christ, then he has called you to be a different person. He's called you to be a person who loves other people. Who loves other people. What about a boldness? 
The, the scriptures tell us that he doesn't give us a spirit of, of timidity, of, shy, of shyness. Now, I'm not talking about your personality may be more shy. But he didn't give you a spirit of, of timidity where you back away from, from hard circumstances. Instead, he gave you a spirit of power, of boldness. When's the last time? Let's just think. Am I more bold in talking about my faith and my belief in Christ and my asking people to come to church than I used to be before I proclaimed who he was. Because he says he gives us a spirit of boldness. And we believe, friends, we know that it is not me who created that. It's him that created that in me. I love in Acts, Acts chapter 4, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But we see Peter and, and James, I mean Peter and John, they go to the, the, um, the, the temple to do what they're supposed to do to worship God. And they heal a man on the way there who was who was uh, unable to walk, and the man gets up, and he's shouting, and he's running, and he's praising God. And there's a big crowd comes around them, and they start talking about this man named Jesus that just healed this man, right? And what happened to him? They were thrown in jail. And the Pharisees came, and they talked to him the next day. The same people that crucified Jesus, all right? The next day come and talk to him. And Peter tells him, he says, look, are you you really... Uh, uh, are you really critiquing us for doing a good deed? He says, let me tell you quite frankly that there is no other name that a man might be saved than the precious name of Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. The guy that's saying this is the same guy, friends, the same guy that denied Jesus three times not that long ago. And now he's standing up to the person who crucified Jesus and, and is in his face telling him the truth of the gospel. And the Bible tells us in Acts 4.13, you should write that down. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.13 that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the Bible says they took note that they had been with Jesus. It wasn't that they remembered Peter's face and that he was Jesus' disciple. It wasn't that Peter said, hey, yeah, I was there with him all those three years on ministry. Nope. It was Peter's boldness and his actions and the things in which he said and did. And they saw him and they realized that this man knows Jesus Christ. Now, what about us, friends? When people see us, and do do they see the love that we have for other people, the boldness we had to speak about the gospel, the passion in which we do it, the the self-control that we have to avoid sin in our life and to do what Christ has called us to do, and they say, hey, man, I see these things, these evidence, and it proves their owner. And I take, they take note that you've been with Jesus. Man, I, I would love to hear about the fact that people see you and they see Jesus. The last point that I want to make, friends, is that when we are owned by Jesus Christ, when he has bought us with his precious blood, he will keep us. He will hold us fast, as the old hymn says. But friends, let's, let's, not, let's not be a little loose on that. Oftentimes we might think uh, that just because he's bought us means he'll keep us. And, and, and that means that we can just go on doing what we want to do and not worry uh, about the things in my life. I can just keep on sinning because Christ won't let me go. No, no, no. That's a, that's a bad. Paul would say certainly not. That's a bad interpretation of the scripture. What we mean, friends, is that, yes, if he bought you, then he will keep you. But if he bought you, he will change you. 
He won't leave you the same way you were, friends. If he paid for your soul and he owns the person that you are, he will work in you to change you. This First Thessalonians says, this is the will of the Lord, your sanctification. You know what that means? Your Christ-likeness. The will of God in a Christian's life is to conform that Christian to the image of the Son. And if he bought you, he will keep you. But if he bought you, he will change you. And you can't help but be different. Friends, I want you to think about that. Uh, how can I come in contact with the person who's spoken, therefore everything in existence was? How can I come in contact with who he really is and not be changed? Now, I'm not talking about the next day you are got everything together. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the next day and weeks pass and the year passed. You look back and you say, hey, man, I know I'm not who I need to be, but I'm definitely not who I was. And I look around and I've heard that testimony from people in here. That, yeah, I know I'm still working on something, but I'm a lot different than I was six months ago. Praise God. That is the will of the Lord for your life. Your sanctification. Friends, if he bought you, he will keep you. But if he bought you. He will change you. Look, I, I bought that vehicle. It's mine. I own the title for it. I, I own everything for it. Nobody can take that from me. No, no human, no sin, no devil can take you and pluck you from the hand of Christ. If he bought you, friends, he will hold you fast. But he will change you. Now, are we ready for that change? I want you to read this scripture with me. Look at this. This is a beautiful scripture. I know somebody that loves this scripture a lot. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, this is, it reminds me of the song we sang earlier. Right where you are right now, friends, in your brokenness, in your sin, in your hurt, in your trauma, in your heartache, whatever you might be going through in your life right now, he loves you. I hope you get that. He loved you so much that Jesus Christ said, I will die for you. I will put my very life to death so that this person might be able to one day taste and see what life truly is. He loves you, friends. And if you're his, nothing can separate you from that love. Let's bow our heads. Look, tonight, friends, I, I know that I'm kind of preaching to two different people. And, and I, I want us to be honest with each other, not with each other, really. I just want you to be honest with the Lord. And um, if, you're, if you're part of that group in that category that's like, yeah, I know Jesus, he... He is the owner of my soul. But if, if I'm being honest, uh, the evidence that I have has not really been showing that I have been putting him first in my life. And I just want to confess to him, like, Lord, I, I just want to start putting you first in my life. If that, if that kind of speaks to your heart tonight, just lift your hands. I, I got my hand lifted. Amen. Amen. But if you're part of the second category, friends, this is vitally important. And you don't know this person we're talking about. Your proof of ownership 
doesn't prove that you belong to Christ, but instead it proves that you belong to the enemy. That you are a, a selfish person, a person that hates, a person that's made a practice out of sin and doesn't have any regret or remorse for your, in your life about that. And the Lord is probing you in the heart right now. Look, he says that, that nobody can come to the Father unless they're first drawn. And if he is touching your heart right now, man, I just want you to be honest. And you would just believe in your heart that if, if something was to happen tonight, you know that you wouldn't go to see Christ because you don't know him. If you want to make that profession to Jesus, like, look, I, I want to know you, and I know I don't, feel free to lift your hand. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are, Lord. Lord, my prayer is that um, these students are serious about their faith. And we're going to have a time here, Jesus, where we just have some music playing and these altars are open for people to come pray if they want to pray. But, Lord, my prayer is that they would, would take what we have talked about tonight and apply this seriously to their life. That they would see the evidence, the fruit of their life. And they would recognize that it is just a symptom of a real root. And, Lord, my prayer is that that root is good. That that root, that foundation is Jesus Christ that they stand upon. But Lord, if it's not, I pray that tonight that changes. Lord, I'm amazed by you. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How you love me.